This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome into Sound the Foghorn. Summer is here. It's June 17th today, I believe. Yes, it is. June 17th, which means our summer is now in full swing. Virtually back to our weekly podcast. We've got a ton of fun stuff to do today. Going to be grading every wild player's season, as well as Dean Evason and Bill Guerin. But before we get to that, a few things to take care of. First and foremost, let's check in on my pals who I haven't talked to uh, verbally in about three weeks. Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki joining me, Brett Marshall, here today. Uh, Justin, we'll go to you first. They've been feeling a little bit under the weather per the group chat, uh, as well as your kids. How's, how are you and how's the family doing today? I'm doing better. I still got a little, you can probably tell a little mm-hmm. stuff on those, but uh, the kids are in worse shape than I am. They're getting better, though. It's been, at least it's not COVID. I got a COVID test, but I think it's just a head cold, but still just trying to push through it. But doing good other than that. Good. And Zeke, what about you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, you know, even though it's been a little hot, uh, been you know enjoying the nice weather. Went up to Duluth last weekend, which was fun, and uh, just uh, yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to the next few weeks, uh, which should have a lot of kind of newsworthy, fun stuff to talk about. So, uh, it certainly seems like things should heat up here. It sounds like the Wild fully in the mix for Jack Eichel. Uh, if you want more on that, just listen or read anything from Michael Russo. <laughs> you will have all the information <laughs> you need to know. I believe uh, Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman have had stuff on the Wild as well regarding Eichel, regarding Dumba. So tons of stuff out there that other people have already covered, so we're not going to go too much into it until things actually happen. We'll leave the speculation to the insiders, and we'll react when we need to. Uh, before we get into the player grades, we do have just a very teeny tiny prospect update, which we'll turn over to our prospect extraordinaire, Justin, for that. All right, appreciate it. There's not a whole lot, like you said. It's basically just uh, kind of really, not kind of, it is really good news. Uh, Marco Rossi and Marat Huznadinov are back skating. A couple videos have surfaced on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, pretty exciting because, you know, we all know the issues they had. If people don't remember, Marco had... COVID had some some issues with that, and then Murat Huznadinov had a, I believe it was a shoulder injury. Took about four months to heal, so it's good to see them back on the ice. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yep. The other news, there's two more things. Uh, Pavel Novak is on the Czech under-20 national team roster for the training camp later this month. So it's good to see his name out there again. And then 
the Iowa Heartlanders are now the ECHL affiliate to the Minnesota Wild, which is pretty awesome news because now we got three teams within basically driving distance of each other and kind of another place to send prospects and keep an eye on prospects uh, within close vicinity for the for the staff and such. Yeah, and for those not familiar, the ECHL is the East Coast Hockey League. It's basically like the equivalent of like double A or single A if you're an MLB fan. Um, there's a you probably won't see ever really any high end prospects there. Um, the ECHL is weird as players can be loaned there. They can come from Iowa. They could come from other teams affiliates. They're paid, I believe, on weekly contracts, not like year round. So people move over all the time. So it's not like a huge thing prospect wise, but it's cool to have that if they need it. If you know they do need to move a player over there, it can happen. But just they were previously, I believe. Um, it was a uh, Allen. Was it the Allen Americans? Which I yeah. think that's. I don't even know. Where, is that New York? That's in Texas. Texas, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely closer to home. So it's there if they need it. But uh, more than anything, they've got a sweet freaking logo. Oh, um, I love the colors small. too. That, yeah. yeah, it's great. They're like gray and gold. It's like a a buck is the logo. It's pretty sick. Mm. I'm excited to see the jerseys. I don't think they've released those yet. So these, oh, I'm, I'm. Yeah, go ahead. I was say I'm looking forward to the jerseys too. That's all I was gonna say. Sorry. No, the ECHL like their logos are awesome. Like so many teams mm-hmm. have really sweet logos. So. All right. Well, that's it for prospects. So we'll jump in here to our player report cards. So what we're going to be doing is basically just evaluating players on a grade scale, just like you'd have in school, ranging from an A plus to an F. Uh, we couldn't really settle on what a criteria was, but we figured like we just have a general sense of like, yeah, an A plus meant good. A C meant Lech, F is you sucked. Um, so that's kind of our how we how we went into this. We had some other criteria, but just said screw it. We think people will get it without having to outline it too clearly. Uh, do you guys have like a, a player you want to hit on right away? Should we go like alphabetically by last name? Do you want to do all the forwards first? Do you guys have any like itch for how we order this? It doesn't matter to me. Mine's basically from GM to coach to forwards to defenseman, but I can really go however we want to go here. Yeah. I would say we go forwards first if that works for you guys. All right, let's start forwards, and we'll just go, for the sake of my notes here, I'm going to be selfish. I have them in alphabetical <laughs> order by last name. Uh, so that's how we're going to go. So that means we will start with Jewel Erickson X. So I think the way we'll do this, we'll each um, name off our grade, just boom, 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 and then we will uh, discuss, because I'm sure we won't be the same on every player. There may be some consensus. But just to be able to weigh in on different things and how we viewed uh, each player, and then if, of course, if you guys had a different agreement, feel free uh, to go ahead, slide into those Twitter mentions, and uh, start a debate with us because uh, we could use some interaction there. It'd be fun just to argue with some people. We haven't done that in a while, so yeah, feel good. free to chime in. So let's start. Jewel Erickson Eck, uh, Zeke. We'll we'll just we'll go Zeke, Justin, me every time just to keep it consistent. Right. So Zeke, uh, you're great yeah. for Jewel Erickson Eck. So you just want the grade, no just the grade, and that. then we'll okay. we'll go to okay. explanations okay. after. Okay, uh, I personally went A+. plus. Justin? I went A. A, and Jewel Eriksnet got an A-plus from me as well. So, Zeke, we'll, we'll let you kick off the discussion first. We'll rotate the discussion to start with the new person each time. So, Justin, next will be you, and then will be me. So on and so forth. We'll keep it simple. So, Zeke, you're, you're just reasoning behind Jewel Eriksnet getting an A-plus. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I don't know if he. I would say he's been a controversial player, but he's been a player up until this year that uh, people have, you know, longed for him to get more minutes, uh, get higher in the lineup, and just get more opportunity. And, and a lot of people were saying that, hey, he, you know, he's never shown, 
you know, I, I don't think he's a very, you know, extremely skilled player, but he's always had a good shot. And he's always been an incredible defensive forward. He's always been kind of just a pain in the ass to play against. And I think that just the fact that he burst out for 19 goals and 30 points in 55 games, which I believe is like a 28-goal pace over 82 games, and, you know, is probably going to finish in the top four or five of Selkie Trophy voting, I think, you know, compared to where he was the last couple of years, I just think that's a, that's just an absolutely massive step. And I think it's just overall, it's just a really huge, uh, important development for the team overall. Justin? A lot of my stuff is the same. I think he was our best player outside of Kaprizov. Um, you know, like Zeke said, 19 goals, 30 points, both career highs in the shortened season. Uh, granted, the competition will be different next year. Uh, and, I mean, than it was this year. It was, it was still good to see him, you know, kind of break out in that terms because we always knew he was a good defensive player. Uh, but, it, you know, it's good to see him add the offensive side to it and, and turn into a Selkie-type player. Uh, he was also tied for the team lead in playoff points and did a really good job on the penalty kill. The only thing that I want to see him get better at wasn't terrible was uh, the faceoff number percentage. But mm. outside of that, it, it was a really good year for him. and I can't complain at all. Yeah, I think you guys have hit on most of the big points. I mean, there's aside from his faceoffs, as you alluded to, Justin, there's pretty much not a facet of his game that you could have looked at this year and said, man, I wish he would have been better here. I mean, per mm-hmm. my uh, the analytics that I collected from Natural Stat Trick um, and their models and stuff, Jule uh, Eriksson-Eck ranked top five among all wild forwards in every single category that I tracked um, on my player cards, except for individual Corsi 4 per 60, where he was seventh. Uh, everything else, he was top five or higher, um, including top three in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, uh, 20 stack categories, I think, of something like 30 or 35. So pretty much dominant everywhere on the ice. Um, just the epitome of an elite, I will I will go there and say elite two-way forward. Um, I think the league took notice of him this year. Uh, Zeke, as you alluded to, he performed in the playoffs, which you know I was rare to see from, from wild players of past and it's just be really interesting to see how the Wild view Jewel Erickson Eck going forward because I don't think you want to bump him back down to mm-hmm. you know 13 minutes a game. He's a guy that should probably be playing 15 to 16 minutes a game. But again, what role do you want him in? I really think this is a Wild team that might you know we might see them rolling you know three lines with pretty equal ice time if, if the pieces mm-hmm. fall in into place the right way. And we'll see if they they try to get Eck into more offensive role or if they. Just sticking with Felino, who those two yeah. are just. We'll, we'll get to Felino in a little bit, but those two together are just, you know, marvelous at at shutting down and, and just suppressing every, every every chance and suffocating other teams. So, he was awesome this year. Jewel Eriksson A plus for me, A plus from Zeke, A from Justin, a consensus uh, top player on the Wild this year. Guys, anything else to add on Jewel Eriksson Nope. No, I think, yeah, everything we just said at all. Yeah, and uh, he's gonna get paid. Hell yeah. Uh, I think it, it's, it sounds like the Wilder, you know, maybe going into this or maybe look at maybe another bridge deal, but it sounds like now after this year they're willing to uh, throw some term on there, which might help uh, keep the cap hit down a little bit. I don't remember what we guessed on here, but. I think it might have been six, right? Did we go six years, like four or eight or something in there? Something four like four. that. Yeah. I don't remember something in there. So we'll see. We'll have to revisit that and see how we do in our projections. But. Uh, He'll get paid, no doubt, and deservedly so. Should be a big piece of of the Wilds' core moving forward. Uh, next on the list here, alphabetically by last name, was uh, one of Jewel Eriksson's uh, line mates for most of the season, and that's Jordan Greenway. Uh, 
Zeke, your grade first, and then Justin, then me. Yeah, I went B minus. Justin? Uh, B. B. I was a little lower than both of you. I went with the C. So, Justin, we'll go to you first this time uh, for just why you gave Green what you did. Uh, I felt like we started the year off real strong, saw his physical play, you know, on and off the puck, and kind of saw the player we wanted him to be. Uh, he was re- good defensively on that, that grief line and led the team in assists, um, third in hits, fourth in points. But I, I did feel like at times I did want more from him, you know, towards maybe the middle or end of the season. I can't remember what point. Kind of all blends in together. Uh, some things do, but I, I feel like I ended up wanting more from him at points in the season too. Yeah, and no, I think uh, Justin made a good point in that, uh, you know, it's kind of, in a way, you know, people, the easy comparison is a Charlie Coyle who, you know, he's he's big, he's like 6'5", 220 pounds, you think that he'd be, and like Justin said, he did show that physical kind of rough side in the first, like, month or two of the year, but, you know, then that kind of went away, and, and personally, I, I went I went into the B range, cause just because I think, you know, with his sit-down with Garen and Evison last year, that was well-documented that they basically gave him an ultimatum to, you know, be more professional and be more committed to his game. And I think despite maybe struggling and being a little more inconsistent the second half of the year, that uh, he did show a lot more, you know, kind of professional attitude and did show some improvement. And, I mean, you could see, like, that goal he scored in Game 5 in Vegas where he crashed the middle of the ice and, and scored on, like, his third rebound that, you know, if, if he if he wants it, that he can be that really good player like that. But, I mean, you know, like, like you said as well, Justin, he's, a, he's just another guy. He's just... I think is just inconsistent by nature, and I don't know if he has the mentality to be like this big, like bruising physical forward all the time, like we all might want him to be. Yeah, I have a lot of the same sentiments as both of you. The reason I bumped him down into the C category, um, Zeke, you alluded to his sit down last year, and for me, it came down to I felt he underachieved last year. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, you know, I probably would have had him maybe down even like the D range, like a D plus D range. And I thought this year he kind of did more of what I expected, but he really didn't exceed my expectations. Um, you know, again, he got off the hot start. He did lead, you know, he had a lot of assists, but then you look at, you know, Jewel Erickson gets his career high in goals, scoring, uh, I believe it was um, 11 more than his previous career high. Uh, Marcus Lino, his other common line mate, uh, finished the season shooting, I think it was near 27%. <laughs> so I think that those assists, can you can even look at those being an inflation mm-hmm. of just improved you know, an improved season from Eck and, you know, Marcus Foligno shooting at a ridiculously unsustainable pace um, that won't hold up in the next season. And then you look beyond that, um, as I was looking at his underlying numbers, uh, bottom four wild forward in 15 categories among the 13 wild forwards that dress. So basically fourth line type numbers in pretty much every category. That's even including a lot of the defensive ones, which, you know, a lot, those are on ice. So a lot of, you know, what is good, you know, was probably propped up a little bit by Eck and Foligno. And to me, just looking at Greenway, he's kind of just the ultimate passenger. Um, he's not mm-hmm. really driving the play for you. He's not really elite defensively. He's just kind of there. He's a body. Is he an NHL player? Absolutely. But I just don't think, I personally just don't see much more of a ceiling for Jordan Greenway. And I'm hoping there's a team out there that does because I think he probably has some some sneaky trade value because we know their GMs just love the the, the big guy. They love the guys that are, you know, over six foot four, over two hundred pounds, and Greenway's a spitting image of that. And you, you know, as, as we alluded to, somehow led the team in assists this year, which is bizarre to think about when you have Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello yeah. seemingly making mm-hmm. just these awesome passes every night. But it was Greenway, 
uh, who led second in primary assists, first and secondary assists. So again, secondary assists, a little bit of a passenger number, but still second in primary assists. But just for me too, only six goals on the year, eleventh uh, among forwards, yeah. which you'd probably want a little more there as well. I think a lot of those came uh, toward the beginning of the year as well. So I think for me, just it just wasn't enough from a complete game standpoint. The points were nice, and obviously points win games when it comes down to it. But um, <clears throat> he was um, by evolving hockey's expected war model, the Wild's worst player this year believe it or not so um interesting uh factoid there as well 11th wild forward and don lucian's um gs gsva uh, model as yeah. well so and just, i think i think another just when you mentioned his goal totals i'm looking here at his elite prospects page and he's you know scored eight last year 12 the year before and he never scored more than like 12 in college and i don't i guess i maybe he's just I don't know, maybe we've all just kind of saw the, you know, some of the passing ability and, and the big size and thought that maybe he could be more than what he actually is, like you mentioned. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I'm with you. I think he would be, he wouldn't be a guy who would be uh, heartbroken to lose to Seattle either, too. So. Yeah. See, I, I think it would suck to lose in Seattle because I think there's someone yeah, out there that has true. value. But, I mean, that's again, mm-hmm. any player who loses Seattle for the wild, the, the position there is going to have some trade value. But for mm-hmm. me, I just think this year was probably about as good of a greenway as we'll get. Could he improve yeah. a little bit? Yeah. But I don't think it is a point where it's all of a sudden he's going to be, you know, this, this top six power forward type. Um, and I just mm-hmm. think that now's the time to trade him. You have Matt Boldy in the system. You have Adam Beckman, who just continues by all models to mm-hmm. look like he should project at least into a third line role, a third line role where greenway is. And I think going into next year, if you want to re-sign Nick Bugstead or elevate Nico Sturm, I think they could fill in that left wing where, where Greenway leaves between um, Eck and Felino. So I, I just think he's expendable. I don't think losing him, I don't think you would see mm-hmm. this major impact you know, if you lost someone else like a Felino or an Eck or someone. So that's where I'm at. I just, that's why I, I gave him a C. It just, eh. It was very meh for Jordan yeah. Greenway. Fair. All right, let's go to the next one. Let's let's get a little bit off the negativity, back to positivity. Uh, to Kevin Fiala, who, by the way, I believe it was early yesterday or two days ago, uh, is now engaged uh, to his yes. uh, girlfriend, Jessica. So very exciting uh, for Kevin. So, Kevin, if you're listening, I know you are. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go uh, grades here first, and then I'll start off uh, the discussion. Okay, um, I went with the B+. Plus. Kevin, I love you. A minus. <laughs> I gave him an A, which, and, and I'll, I'll go to my uh, my explanations first here. I, I was really split on Fiala because, you know, kind of we, we talked about Greenway having a hot start. Kevin Fiala kind of had a slow start, and I teetered a lot. I kind of like right around kind of a B plus A minus mm-hmm. range. Eventually settled on an A because I, what it came down to for me is he still managed to be one of the Wild's most effective forwards while spending most of his season anchored to players that pretty much didn't help him whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. Marcus Johansson, Victor Rask, all due respect to Ryan Hartman. Like, he just wasn't playing with guys that were at his level, and I, he still managed to come through with really good offense um, and be a really key part uh, of the Wild. 20 goals on the year, uh, second on the team, 20 assists, so 40 points. You love that for a 56-game season. Uh, led the team in shots, individual Corsi, individual expected goals. Um Let's see what else he in scoring chances. Corsi four per sixty, third on the team in expected goals. Like if you wanted offense, you were putting Kevin Fiala on the ice, and he was going to give it to you. Um, he's never been a guy that's going to bring you defense, but that's been known. Um, 
the thing I wanted to touch on, I did touch on this kind of my end of season player evaluations was Kevin Fiala's like harped on for his giveaways, um, which he was worst among wild forwards with. He had 45, um, but that's like 60th, I think in the NHL and the players ahead of him are like, you know, Sidney Crosby and Austin Matt, like these (laughs) players that you think are really good also turn the puck over a lot because that's what really good offensive players do because they take chances on the Mm -hmm. flip side. Uh, Kevin Fiala also led the Wild all forwards in takeaways with 41. I believe the next closest forward had, had like 20. Um, so even so, I think that gets overlooked a lot. We always see, oh, Kevin Fiala gives the puck away, but Kevin Fiala also takes the puck away quite a bit. So for me, it just was everything. He To me, he's their best offensive player. I think, all due respect to Kaprizov, um, it's really close, but I think just you look at the play driving, at least this year, uh, it was Kevin Fiala. Kaprizov, I think, will get there. He'll probably pass him next year or the year after. Um, I just think that offense is something the Wild need, and he brought it this year whenever he was on the ice. And given the line mates, all things considered, I, I gave him the A. Probably an A- minus would have been fair, but mm-hmm. a little bias for Fiala. I'm giving him an A. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I guess, I, I don't know. I guess for some reason I was, I guess, a tad bit more down. Maybe it was the, the slower start. And, and you know, I, th- I think it's just some of the things, like you mentioned, like the turnovers or – they're not great in his own end or even just, you know the kind of silly kind of frustrating penalties at the time those might just be you know at this point probably just things about him that you just have to live with but I guess I just kind of had it still in my mind like the first half he was you know I know he was hurt a little bit he was suspended uh, they had the COVID break and all that but he, his scoring was a little slow and I guess you know maybe that's just some recency bias from last year and seeing that pot streak where he had like 26 points in the last 18 games I kind of expected I guess, you know, maybe it's just me looking at the, the score sheet and, and, and not seeing that production right away. So, I don't know. I guess I was just a little – I just wish that he would, you know, be more consistently that same guy. I know, like Brett mentioned, that you could blame his line mates at times for that. And I'm sure if he has better line mates this coming year that he'll improve. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, it's not like I'm giving him, like, a D or anything. So, obviously, I still think he was really good. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I just still just want just a, just a tad bit more, just a little bit more consistency from him. Totally fair. Yeah, I'm kind of a lot of the same points. You know, he was second in points and goals, like we talked about. Uh, had a little rough of a start, but the second half was really good and, and kind of yeah. the cabin we saw from last year. Um, one place I do want to see him better at, and I, I think part of it was, like we mentioned, line mates and, and Vegas being able to hem up basically our two best players because they don't really have much else to hem up. Uh, I want to see him do more in the playoffs. You know, he had one goal, one assist. You kind of want to see those top guys uh, take over in the playoffs, and I think with better line mates, we'll see that happen. But uh, I think that's one of the knocks to why I gave him an A minus instead of like an A. Yeah, totally fair. Um, the other thing I want to mention too is I just wonder had the wild power play started off a little better, um, if Kevin Fiala's season looks just maybe even a little bit better. Mm. Uh, obviously, they went you know whatever it was like three goals in their first fifty chances or whatever horrible it was. <laughs> I mean, if you just get that up to like a yeah. league average number, you know Kevin Fiala and probably Kirill Kaprizov too, um, probably have five to eight points at least more each, mm-hmm. I would say maybe. Obviously, they went on a bender mm-hmm. to end the year, so maybe that evened out a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't think that was Fiala's fault either. So, okay. All right, let's get to the poster child. Any final thoughts about Fiala? Nope. Nope. I'm good. All right. Let's get to the poster child of the wild season, the soon-to-be Calder Trophy winner, uh, our boy Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess you could make if you consider the playoffs, but I don't think there's uh, any grade other than A plus here for me. 
I went with F. No, I'm just kidding. A plus. <laughs> uh, it, it's a clean sweep. A plus is across the board. Uh, Zeke will go to you first to probably take uh, most of what Justin and I will say away, but uh, go for it. Okay. Well, no, I'll try to. I'll try not to gush too much, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, we and everyone else, uh, every other Wild fan has said it uh, pretty much a million times. I mean, we say it every time we watch the team play, but he's just phenomenal, uh, incredibly dynamic, you know, a great passer. And I think, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think he, he, for a while, he was still good the first little bit of the season, but it took him a little while to, you know, really get going with his goal scoring, with shooting the puck more. And once he did, we just saw... You know, we just saw how incredibly smart he is, and like we all were. You know, I went to games uh, in person this year, and it was just so great to see him play in person. Because, like they say, uh, it's it's one thing to watch him on TV; it's another to watch a player like that in person. When you know, just anything's possible in any shift, and and obviously we've never really had that. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, like I said, a plus for me. And I mean, yeah, no, he's just he's fantastic in, in pretty much you know almost every way. So. Yeah, I mean, we did expect an adjustment period. There wasn't much of one. There may have been a learning mm. experience in the playoffs, kind of like with Fiala, though. You know, we got better players around him. We get better results, I think, and, and he'll just be better for it. But overall, you know, we kind of said we guessed around 40 points for him, and he smashed it, picking up 51, all with the crappy power play and, and yeah. not and great line mates. I mean, he started the year Rask, off with what Fugus said. He started the year off with Fugus and Preci, and then eventually, you know, got hooked up with Zuccarello and then Rask. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he had lots of big points, made this team fun to watch. You know, he at least once a night seemed to do something that was like, holy crap, like, how does he do that? Like Brett said, he should be a Calder winner. And, I mean, he proved to be a star. And just want to continue to see him build off of that. But, yeah, A-plus, he had a really good year. Um, maybe even better than I thought. Yeah, if anyone expected Kirill Kaprizov to be this good, you're lying. Um, I mean, w- we felt 40 points was, like, optimistic, and this kid mm-hmm. just, I mean, night one, three points. Like, he's like, I'm here. This is the NHL. Um, and he, he, he fucks shit up, um, to put it bluntly. Uh, <laughs> team leader in goals and primary assists. Um, an astounding plus 17 penalty differential. Um, I believe it was one of the best in the league. Um, evolving hockey's uh, expected war model and their war model. Um, I, I don't know what, what all goes into their penalty draws, but um, it, he was fifth in kind of what, what they value in penalties um, drawn. Uh, fourth in the NHL um, in expected war behind uh, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and Miko Rantanen. Uh, not bad company to be in. Um, that's that's basically what, two MVP candidates and Miko Rantanen. Uh, pretty good company there. Um First in Don Luchisson's GSVA model, first in my PCS model. Uh, the underlying numbers, analytically, were eh. But again, I think a lot of that goes to being with Victor Rask, who is literally an offensive black hole. Um, just does not do anything offensively whatsoever. So if you, if, you know, a third of your line cannot produce offense, your underlying offensive numbers probably aren't going to be as good. And I think yeah. we've alluded to that on this show before, too, is... You know, expected goal models, shots have to happen to get credit for mm-hmm. them. And how many times, especially at the beginning of the year, did we see Kaprizov throwing pucks to the slot, making these ridiculous passes that guys weren't ready for, that they were fanning on, that, you know, yeah. would hop over their sticks or what have you. I mean, if some of those just start turning into shots, they're going to turn into more goals, and I think you'll see those numbers go up. And I think priority number one still has to be getting a center. 
It sounds like mm-hmm. they're in on Eichel. It sounds like there's other names starting to pop up as well. You know, um, Thomas Hurdle's been thrown out there. Sam Reinhart's an option. Philip Deneau could hit free agency. Bill Guerin's going to go find a center this summer. I think he's going to have to. I think you mm-hmm. have to, especially as we've as these contract uh, disputes, he, not disputes, but negotiations heat up, you have to give him a plan. And I'm pretty sure Kirill Kaprizov didn't enjoy being anchored to Victor Rask. Uh, for most of the year. So I think that's got to be a priority one. I think if you find a more offensively-minded center, um, you're going to see a lot of those numbers continue to go up. The Wild have a star in their hands. You shatter expectations. It's an A-plus smash hit for Kirill Kaprizov. And I think, you know, the only uh, disappointing thing about a season is that we didn't get to see a full 82 games because, you know, I think he was on like a 41-goal pace over 82 games. And, and, you know, the way he was, and like I mentioned earlier, he had six goals through his first 23 games. Then he had 21 in the last 32 and and had like 10, I think, in like a stretch of 11. So that was really, that would have just been, been, it's kind of interesting to think of how, you know, better, much better, you know, how many more times you've scored and all that if it was a full season but yeah no I think he's just really good and uh, I don't know I think I think as soon as next year he could potentially be a guy to challenge their all-time goal record to be completely honest I think he, he's just looked that good this year so it, it was really fun yeah to, to go ahead Justin do you have something I'll say is that a hot take for next year <laughs> yeah it might be <laughs> but is it so I have some kind of build on that or my last thought here um credit to uh Dmitry Filipovich of uh, EP Rinkside uh, who actually sent me a little graphic that uh, him and his team uh kind of put together so if you remember um you know with those first 20 or so games where Kaprizov was kind of just getting into things you know there's so many times like oh the dude's got to shoot more and you know, I believe there was an interview, and he's like, yeah, even my dad told me I need to shoot more. Well, from that interview, so the first 19 games, Kaprizov had 35 shots on goal. That's six shots per 60 minutes uh, hmm. on goal, 81 attempts per six, uh, 81 total attempts. That's about 14 attempts per 60 for six goals. Then he flipped the switch. His final 36 games of the season, he racked up 21 goals on 122 shots. So that went up from a six shots per 60 up to 11 0.14 shots per 60 and 199 attempts uh, that's an increase of 13.91 attempts per 60 to 18.17 attempts per 60 so he just like he's like all right yeah i'm gonna shoot more and he did and then he scored and then he were like oh this guy's freaking awesome so i and for me for a rookie just to like boom like yep i'm just gonna yeah. i'm gonna flip that and he did it he's like yeah he said i'm gonna do it and then he went out and he did it um, I think that's just remarkable just to have that kind of poise. I mean, yeah, he's whatever, 24, but, you know, just to be able to go out and say, yeah, I'm going to shoot the puck more, I'm going to score more because I can, and he did. So, yeah, A+. Plus. Yes. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, next up is Moose, Marcus Foligno. Grades. Yeah, for me, uh, I went with an A. Justin? I went with an A, a as well. I went one higher. I gave him an A+. Plus. Uh, let's see. It should be Justin. You get to start us off here. All right. Um, well, we all know the excellent year he had. Uh, Time for fourth and team goals with 11. I don't know if that's career high, but... It uh, uh, was know, not was quite, all, I think, at 82-game pace it would have been. Yeah. Uh, this was all after being injured for a few weeks, too. He missed uh, a good chunk of time. Uh, really, really good defensive player, really good penalty killer. Uh, you know, once again, led the team in hitch to no surprise. Always seems to play the game the right way. Uh, and then we mentioned earlier, but he had that insane 27.5% shot percentage. <laughs> um, 
just a really good year and, and could have been even better without the injury, but you know, you can't really control that, but he was really good as part of that grief line and looks like a staple from here moving forward with Eck on the same line there, hopefully. You know, he was, uh, you know, obviously phenomenal, like Justin said, great defensive forward. And, you know, he scored, like like you said, 11 goals, 26 points in 39 games played. And, yeah, and like you guys mentioned, obviously the shooting percentage, won't, he won't shoot 27%. Uh, and almost all odds will say that. But he, he's for, just... For those looking, trying to... I'm going to jut in quick, Zeke. For okay, those no, trying to visualize the 27%, he had 11 goals on 40 shots this year. Could, <laughs> continue on. Yeah. So, yeah, no, and uh, maybe we don't quite expect that, but I do think... Uh, I do think just the way that, you know, him and that line plays with, with their physical forechecking style, that just kind of allows them to just create chances even with not having the highest end skill. And I think, you know, obviously everyone knows the intangibles, the leadership that he brings, that even though he doesn't have the A or the C on his chest, he's he's almost essentially like the de facto captain of the team or one of them. And I think, you know, it's like, yes, a great player. And I think that uh, that three, three-year contract at $3.1 million that they signed with him early in this year is looking real good, which was funny because I remember there were people at the time who were either wanted to trade him or thinking, why are you overpaying a bottom six for it again? But it's like, yeah, no, you those that's all been quiet by now because he's just been phenomenal. Great great teammate, great player. The reason, so I went back and forth between A and A+, plus, and the mm-hmm. reason I, I, I threw the plus on there is because pretty much any way you slice it, there was not a defensive player in the wild better than Marcus Foligno. Uh, led the team in Corsi against per 60, scoring mm-hmm. a chance against per 60, high danger chances against per 60, and expected goals against per 60. His expected goals against per 60, 1.53, just absurd number. High danger chances, just 5.08. These are per 60 minutes of ice time. So you're talking in a game, like maybe two, one or two high danger yeah. chances. Like the dude's just nuts. Um, Justin, as you alluded to, hits, huge factor, uh, ne- average nearly three a game. Uh, 109 hits. 39 game play led the team and played you know whatever 15 games fewer than you yeah. know even guys like Eck and Greenway it just the dude just bangs bodies I remember the first game that I went to um this year was Felino's like first game back off that injury and I think like in the first period I think he had like four hits like he just like oh I'm like yep Felino's Felino's feeling good he's back and then yeah, he gets def- yeah go ahead I'll say he just brings the energy with those heads yeah. <laughs> sorry to interrupt no, you're good. Yeah. And I think I just I think that's a really good point. Is what really stands to me is just how just th- he thunders in on the four check and you know slamming into the boards. Going, you know, you know it's not uh, hitting guys in like a in a strategic way, but yeah, no, it's just a uh, just because uh, of that too. He's just a really fun player to watch. Just you know the passion he plays with, the intensity. So it, it's really great. Yep. Sticks up for teammates when he needs to, um, mm-hmm. and again. Sh- Scored a bunch of goals. Will he do that next year? Probably not. But hey, who knows? Maybe Marcus Lino will be a, a career twenty-seven percent shooter from. Uh, here <laughs> who knows? Crazier things have happened. Um, but uh, yeah. So and, and again, think too. You, you add on all that. You know, he did bring some offense. The great defense. The the physicality. The 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 wantingness to to stand up for the teammates. Then the intangibles. The leadership. The energy. I think just all that for me. Just. It, it yeah. was enough just to bump up to the plus because I think like we saw when he was out of the lineup, all of a sudden a lot of the Wilds' analytic numbers just started to plummet. That's kind of when they went that little lull, and then he came back, and all of a sudden they recovered again. So I think it just shows how valuable a guy like him is. So uh, anything else on Felino? Nope, I think we're good. All mm-hmm. right, good. let's go next to Marcus 
Johansson. Ooh, um, yeah, I feel, I feel a little, don't want to trash it too much, but it's a big fat F for me. Justin? Uh, I didn't give out any Fs, but I gave out a D minus. Marcus Johansson <laughs> got D minus. <laughs> well, you're nicer than Zeke and I because I also gave Marcus Johansson an F. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I think this will be pretty much a consensus among Wild fans, more or less, especially listeners of this show. Uh, Marcus Johansson was terrible this year. Uh, let's see on my notes. I thought I had a count. But basically, the highest category he ranked in among the stats that I tracked was 8th. And that was in Corsi 4 per 60... Uh, and his penalty differential was plus three. Uh, everything else, uh, ninth or lower. Makes me he's a fourth liner. And then beyond that, just like all that stuff was like egregiously bad, like below mm-hmm. league average level numbers. Uh, missed a ton of games with injuries. Only scored six goals. Um, just eight assists, 14 points in 36 games. Um, negative uh, war, negative expected war. Uh, worst GSVA among forwards by Dom Lushijan's model. Uh, worst player contribution score in my model. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just nothing that Marcus Johansson did this year that was like, yeah, that was good. Yeah, uh, he skated fast a couple times, but that was pretty much it. Like, he just was really underwhelming in every way. Yeah, and I think you know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Go ahead, Zeke. You're starting. Oh, okay. Well, I just think you know, just one of the most frustrating things about him was that, like Brett said, he, he you know, he did show that ability to be able to skate, but he's just. He's kind of like other guys like Rasmus, where he was just super soft on pucks and he's getting knocked around a lot. And I think that was another issue was just his durability. He was seemed like he was constantly knocked up. And obviously, he unfortunately, suffered the broken hand crashing to the post uh, in, in that game three. But yeah, no, he's just he just didn't have really much of an intensity. And they kept throwing him out there, you know, in one of the top two lines and on the power play, which, you know, I mean, I guess they maybe they just, I don't know, it was still just really confusing. And like like Gret said, we we've talked about this a lot, so I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna talk too much about it. But yeah, no, it just just wasn't good. And you know, I don't I don't think this makes you know that trade. I don't think it makes it really bad. Eric Stahl wasn't great, but uh, yeah, no, it's just a completely forgettable tenure with the Wild for him. Yeah, I uh, didn't realize he was so bad in some of the analytic stuff. I mean, I knew he had a bad season. I, I think I put a D minus because he was injured so much. I felt like mm-hmm. maybe I'm being too nice, but. Uh, I mean, he had that big goal in overtime the second game of the season, and that's basically all I can think of as far as, like, big impacts he made overall. Um, yeah, uh, don't want to really see him back. So Yeah, no. I don't think he'll yeah. be back. Uh, dead last among wild forwards in goals for per 60, goals against per 60, scoring chances per 60, scoring chances against per 60, high danger chances for and against per 60, uh, expected goals for and against per 60. Uh, worst PDO among forwards, which is a little bit of luck. Uh, had fewest takeaways of any of the forwards. Like, just it was all bad. Um, and icing on the cake, uh, at 5-on-5, five five, he was outscored 22-12. to 12. <laughs> So, uh, shout out to the defensemen who were cratered by him being on the ice as well. All right. Uh, yeah, Marcus Hansen sucks. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Matt Zuccarello is up next. Uh, let's see. I believe uh, Zeke, you'll start this discussion. But you also oh, we got to give grades. Okay, I'll, I went to B plus. I went A minus. I also went B plus. So we're all in the same ballpark here again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I guess, you know, for me, I think, you know, I think obviously last year we found out before this season began that he was dealing, I think it was an arm or a hand injury that he suffered his second game in Dallas a couple years ago. So, you know, I think maybe obviously that could have had an effect on his, I mean, his first year he still produced 15 goals, 37 points in 65 games. So it wasn't horrible, but, you know, he didn't look anywhere close to that $6 million that they paid him. And while he wasn't like, you know, fantastic this year, he, you know, when he came back from his injury about a couple few weeks into the season and was put on that Kaprizov line that really seemed to give them, you know, an extra score, another line that has the threat to actually score and really helped out uh, Kaprizov a lot. So I just think that, you know, like, like we saw with his, his passing ability and their chemistry, I think was a uh, really huge to the team. And while the contract obviously is still, it's not going to be great. I think he, uh, played pretty much up to his value this year and it was basically kind of the player that we've seen in new york for like the last kind of seven eight years yeah i mean he really did form a great duel with kaprizov and it, it was a key year for him coming off that injury mm-hmm. and you know he did finish what third in team points and tied for second in team assist with kaprizov all while playing 14 less games than greenway who is the team leading assists and uh, 13 less games than kaprizov so he did have good numbers for missing uh, a good amount of time. Uh, part of the reason why I gave him the A minus and just him and Caprice up were fun to watch. Sometimes they did get too cute, but overall it was it was a really fun duel. Mm. Yeah, you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think you know the underlying numbers. All it was, you know, it was good. Uh, top, basically like five to seven in everything. Couple areas, uh, especially assists, up there a little higher. Um, fifth by my player contribution score, fourth GSVA, eighth by expected war. Like, he was just a really good top six forward. That's what you wanted at Matt Zuccarello. Mm-hmm. Obvious chemistry with Kaprizov. Um, we talked a little bit about Kaprizov shooting more, but I think that also came to the point where you had a passer in Matt Zuccarello that was starting to find him more. Uh, those two events, I think, were definitely related when Kaprizov started to score. Uh, it was when Zuccarello uh, came back as well. Um, so I think it, it was really good to see because I think I, I I think we're all in consensus here that there was a lot left to be desired after last season um, that we expected more, and it was that contract. It still looks not great, um, but it went from the point where, like, well, could we get him to wave to go to Seattle maybe? Yeah. Should we try to be dumping that contract to the point where it's like, hey, no, we're going to protect him. We're, we're glad we have him. He's great for Kirill. Um, you know, shout out Paul Fenton, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so I think overall he, he he gave you what you wanted and nothing more, nothing less is kind of how I looked at it. Yeah. Which to me yeah. that was worthy of, yeah, you, you did good. You, you you did your job and you made me happy, so here's a B plus. Yep. Agreed. Anything else to add there? Mm-mm. Not for me. Good. All right. Let's move on to a player the Wild could potentially be bringing back that Bill Guerin brought in. Uh, for a conditional seventh round pick, which because of his games played and point totals, the Wild hold on to. So we got Nick Bukestead for free. Uh, Nick Bukestead is up next. Yeah, I went with a B. I went with a C plus. And I met you guys in the middle of a B minus. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, Justin, I believe you start us off here. Um, I mean, I don't have a ton of notes. I mean, I feel like overall he was serviceable, moved around the lineup, bouncing from line one with Precy and Kaprizov the beginning of the season to kind of playing at the fourth line. Um, I honestly didn't expect much from him, but he did play well with, uh, I believe it was Sturm, and I'm trying blanks. Benino. Benino, that was what it was. Um, But, yeah, I mean, at times I wanted to play with more physicality, but overall I felt like he was serviceable for what we got him for. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, you see the, like Justin said, you see the big body, you think he, he, you know, you'd play like that more. I, you know, I think again, it's like a Greenway slash Charlie Coyle thing. And he's not like the fastest skater, but, you know, he has a long reach. You know, he's not a skilled player and is not going to score 24 goals like he did uh, in Florida a few years ago. But he, he's got, you know, the long reach and all that, that, that gives him, uh, you know, an ability to, to do things on the ice. You know, that nice breakaway goal in game six against Vegas. And, and I think, as Brett mentioned off the top, the key thing is here is that they got a serviceable, like, you know, basically thirdish line NHL forward for literally nothing, which, you know, anytime you can get a guy who can fit into your uh, lineup and, you know, move around if needed, play kind of wherever he's needed and get, get him for free, I think is fantastic and uh yeah no I, like brett's mentioned i think he'd be another guy that if he's cheap and as russo said if they can get him like right around a million bucks for like another year or something would be guy I'd very much be interested to bring back uh if the obviously if the price is right because he did show that he could play you know he could be on the fourth line like you guys mentioned or he, in a pinch he could also fit with your more skilled guys as well so i mean he wasn't fantastic but so i think b is just uh, for me was like we kind of mentioned earlier just you know, uh, not great, not, you know, average, but I think just a little better than, uh, honestly, that I expected out of him, so. Yeah, Bukestad, I, I really liked the whole year, and I think I even wrote kind of midseason when Kaprizov was struggling that I, I dove in the numbers. I thought Bukestad, you know, when he was with Kaprizov, Kaprizov's numbers actually improved, and when you look at it, I mean, he alluded to this earlier talking about if you get it a, mm-hmm. a, a more offensively-minded forward, um, that Kaprizov's numbers should go up in turn. Um, and Nick Bukestad is a good example of that. I mean, even a guy like Bukestad, um, per my notes here, he was uh, top three uh, on the wild in shot attempts, on ice, high danger chances, and actually led the team um, and expected goals for per 60. Um, so he, he was he was creating offense, um, even individually, third on the team in individual Corsi, uh, fifth in both high danger chances and individual expected goals per 60. So like he was, I mean, he, and that's playing 11, you know, 12 minutes a night. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, Justin, as you alluded to, came when him, Benino, and Sturm kind of really went on that bender there, kind of about the, you know, the two-third mark of the season where that line was just playing awesome. And and Zeke, you alluded to too, I think, just think he's just the perfect utility player. You can throw him on the right wing, you can throw him on the left wing, you can throw him at center. He could kill a penalty. If you needed him on the power play, you could throw him there. Uh, he was 46% on the draws, um, which was fifth on the team, which, eh. But um, he also may be a little better on the wing than at center, but can play center if you need it. Um, I just think he brought a lot of things that just he's a good bottom six forward. I, I think that's the simplest way I can put it. And basically, he was a guy that came in with pretty little expectations, like, oh, this guy might be healthy scratch, he might be serviceable, um, and he ended up bringing some pretty good value, um, and as we alluded to, for basically for free, um, and it could be a guy that they hopefully are able to bring back here on a pretty cheap, you know, maybe league minimum mm-hmm. or just slightly more than league minimum contract for uh, for next season. Yeah, for sure. All right, anything else to add on Nick Bugstad? Nope. All right, nope. let's let's go to Nick number two, Nick Bonino. Oh well, I went with a B for my good. Uh, B minus. I had a B as well. Uh, I believe I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, Bonino was one I really struggled with because I don't feel like I knew enough about Bonino, the player, kind of coming into the year to kind of know where my expectations were. I think we saw right away he was not capable of playing in the top six. Um, I believe he started with Kaprizov, maybe. 
like he was the first so game of the year, yeah. like right away, and like maybe even with Fiala, and then they're like, ah, he's definitely not fast enough to play with those yeah. guys. Then they bumped <laughs> him down into that fourth line role where he was just awesome the whole year. Just he's a great fourth line center. That's what Nick Nino is. And I thought once he was put in that role, he was really good. Um, led one of two wild centers. Um, not uh, him and Nico Sturm, the only two wild centers uh, to have a faceoff percentage over fifty percent. Uh, he led the team with fifty-two point eight percent in the draws. Um, fewest giveaways of any wild players, just eight, uh, 22 takeaways, third best, uh, on the team, pretty good defensively, uh, top five in scoring chances, high danger chances, expected goals against, uh, managed to put up 10 goals, 16 assists as well, uh, 50 block shots, which led all wild forwards might be a sign of spending maybe a hair too much time in the defensive zone, but I think that could also be attributed to, you know, when the wild were in the defensive zone, it was his line or X line being thrown out there to take those draws and to, to, to be the ones to shut it down to let those other guys uh, cook in the offensive zone as well. So I think overall for for, uh, for what he was and, and once he got in that role, I thought he was really good, provided good utility uh, as well in the penalty kill, one of their best penalty killers, and um, for whatever reason uh, seemed to help get the power play going somehow too. Um, I'm not going to credit to Victor Ass. I'm going to credit it to uh, Nick Bonino. So I think overall for, for what for what he ended up being, I thought he did really good at, at really good in the role he was supposed to play. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, like you mentioned, it, the, the, he, like you said, he it was surprisingly very, pretty good on that uh, kind of below-the-net kind of spot, making passes there on the power play. And I think, as you mentioned at the beginning of the year, you know, everyone was, you know, he's a black hole of offense is what a lot of people are calling him, which, you know, maybe not true. But as you mentioned, he just was not in the right role. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that obviously Bill Guerin knew him from Pittsburgh, he knew his like his leadership ability, how, you know, he seemed to be a really well-liked guy in the locker room a great teammate which is you know obviously huge as well for the, for the culture of the team and all that and you know he did end up with 10 goals 26 points 55 games as you mentioned brett he was like 52 percent of the face-offs which you know the wilds had no one else over like 47 so you know he was obviously always tend to be out there in big situations just simply for that but you know i think for the fact that uh you know they, they they got him along with a couple of those you know second round draft second third round draft picks uh, in exchange for Luke Cunning. I think you know even if he's not back next year was a was a smart move by Bill Guerin and like you said while he might have been a role player he was uh, you know a really useful role player and uh, you know just just did his, went about did his job nothing flashy but yeah no he, he was for me I don't know he was surprisingly good to, to be honest to me. I really don't have much to add. You guys kind of touched on everything. I mean. Seventh in team points with Felino, best face-off man. Obviously, um, I can see him being brought back if you know the price is right and and playing that fourth line role. Anything beyond that, I think I'd say no. But he was really good in that that role on the fourth line. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have much more to add than what you guys already touched on. All right, next one is my boy Nico Sturm. Fire up the sirens! It's a Sturm warning. Uh-oh. Uh, what do we got? I think it, well, I think it's me, but we'll go grades first. So, uh, I went with, uh, A. I did A minus. I went with an A. You know, I, yeah, go ahead. I feel, well, I just say, I think, uh, you know, at first, I, you know, it took me a while to just kind of decide what I wanted to determine as an A. And while, you know, obviously he scored, you know, he's, I don't think, I think he's just generally not a huge offensive player, but he came in even as an older rookie at 26, uh, you know, I, I had not really watched him much in Iowa. I mean, I saw he had a solid year. I heard he could be like a good, you know, role depth player, which was great. But I was just really kind of hadn't really ever 
maybe it's just me not looking it up or researching, but his really impressed me with just his speed and his skating ability. Uh, and he showed it, to, you know, even in the playoffs too, using his speed to create plays, including that play to Bukestad for that goal. And, you know, I just, that along with his, you know, his, I don't know, the way he played a very grindy, grinding style, just working hard was just very impressive to me. And, you know, I mean, he also had 11 goals and scored a few nice ones, breakaway in Colorado, that tip against St. Louis on that shot that was going 10 feet wide. So, you know, I know, uh, like Brett will probably mention, he, he thinks he's a guy that should maybe get a chance higher up in the lineup. But as we've seen, I don't know if, uh, you know, the team is going to want, is going to seemingly want to do that. They seem like they just have him pigeonholed as the bottom, like a bottom line guy. But, uh, Either way, I think it's uh, he was great, and just uh, for a guy they signed for free, except for the contract out of college, uh, a really great pickup. And you know, I, I guess I wouldn't say I'm shocked, but I just think uh, you know, A is a good representation of kind of what he did in his first full year in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the hardest working players on the team, maybe you know, outside of Eck and a couple other guys. But you know, he works really hard. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. You know, he had that healthy scratch in the season, but after that, he played extremely well yeah so Zeke as you alluded to I think he's a guy that 100% deserved more ice time or at least a look in the top six like you were throwing Ryan Hartman Nick I mean you you put everyone else in the top six and gave him a chance with either Fiala or Kaprizov except for Mm -hmm. Nico Sturm and Nico Sturm to me made the most sense to put there um some advanced stats for you because I'm the advanced stats guy uh, let's go percentages. His goals for percentage, uh, 57.68%, fourth best among forwards. Scoring chance percentage, uh, 53.24%, third best among the forwards. Uh, high danger chances, uh, second on the team, 63.83. His high danger chances, four per 60 of 13.53, was first among all wild forwards. Um, and thir- third best on the team in expected goals, um, 56.43, fourth in expected goals for, third in expected goals against. Uh, third in individual high danger chances for it. Like, the, the dude produced offense, whether you mm-hmm. liked it or not. Like, when he was out there, the Wild were getting scoring chances. Um, he's really mobile. He won faceoffs uh, 51.5% on the season, second only to Benino, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, plus six penalty differential. That was fourth on the Wild. Uh, Drew Penalty's like, I don't know what else you want him to do. Uh, led all Wild players in uh, war, first place, uh, 1.90, and his expected war, same mark as well. Um, third behind only uh, Kaprizov and Fiala. Um, so, like, the analytics tell you, like, he's really, he was good, deserved more. Um, and I think I brought this up on a thread. Uh, shout out to 10K Takes, too. They brought this up, I think, on their wild podcast as well. But I, I was trying to think of, like, who who could I compare Nico Sturm to as, like, an example of why he should play more. And I think we've, I may even talked about it once before on the show, but just to hammer at home, Carter Verhage in Tampa Bay. Um, was kind of buried on their fourth line last year, playing really similar minutes, had really similar point production, had really similar underlying numbers. Uh, he was traded away for a fifth-round pick to the Florida Panthers, where he was stuck on a line with Alexander Barkov and Anthony Duclair, and he exploded this year. I think he had like 50 points. He was a top, I believe, three player, and expected goals really helped Florida take off, was a huge part of their top six. Not saying that's who Nico Sturm could be, but I'm also saying that's who Nico Sturm could be. Um Again, I don't know if we'll ever see him get that chance, but I'm just really bummed that um, he never just got the opportunity to show what he might be able to do, put with some more skilled players um, versus just some bottom bottom players. So, mm-hmm. free Nico Sturm. Right. <laughs> yeah, sorry, so thanks for taking over. My call took over for a second there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no problem. But uh, I felt like the only thing that was missed is he he got some good penalty kill time too. Maybe mm-hmm. I missed you saying it, but nope. I felt like he was good on the penalty kill as well. 
Yeah, he was. Uh, and I have yeah. here averaged uh, just 10.8, uh, 10.85, which I think I'd be like 10.50 a game in ice time over 50 games. Not enough. And that was probably no, two not, minutes no. or so a game on the kill. So you're looking at maybe eight minutes of five on five. Mm-hmm. So, we need more. We need more sturm. Never have too much sturm. Nope. <laughs> it's like that that more car, but more cowbell. More need more sturm. Yep, more sturm. <laughs> more sirens. All right. All right. Let's move to the next player who I think I had the most difficult time uh, assigning a grade to, just because it was kind of the tale of two halves uh, to a T. And that's Ryan Hartman. Yeah, I went, uh, I don't know, I went B. Yeah, I went B too, kind of middle of the road type grade. Yep, and I think that's that's where I eventually settle on. I think like, and for me it was like C, kind of the first half of the season, and then like once they elevated him and he started to do stuff at center, then, like, then it was kind of like an A-. minus. like, all right, I'll bring it to a B. Mm-hmm. Uh, who turns it to start? I don't. I don't know. I think it's Justin. Right, Justin. Oh, I can go ahead. I mean, I felt like overall, like I said, he served his purpose. You know, he's put in different, couple different roles this season, and kind of a good ut- utility player in that sense. Um, you know, was on the fourth line for a bit, and then got moved up and put at center, kind of bounced around. Um, I mean, he wasn't too terrible on the faceoff dot either in that role, and had a, a couple couple goals in the playoffs and, and played well um, overall versus Vegas. But, you know, like you said, first half was kind of meh, and then the second half in playoffs, I felt like his game really picked up. Yeah, no, I think I agree with what well, Justin said. I think, you know, as you guys mentioned, he, you know, maybe yeah, obviously he's not a top, like, six guy. And obviously him playing with Kaprizov and Fial and those isn't going to work out long term. But I think, you know, as we see with Booger and getting him to sign that uh, kind of hometown discount extension, he's a, just a valuable player that if you do need him to, like Justin said, he can do face, can draw fate through draws. He can win them. He, he isn't completely devoid of skill. And he obviously is kind of like that. He has a gritty bottom six type to him. So, you know, no, I, I, he wasn't fantastic, but I think he was, you know, he was solid, uh, you know, for, a, and, and like I said, for like a guy for your third or fourth line who you're paying less than 2 million, uh, who, who, you know, seems to be another well-liked teammate who, who wants to be here, who believes in the system, believes what they're building, I think is a, a really good player to have. Yeah. To my earlier point too, I brought up, you know, Nico Sturm or Nick Bonino being able to fill in on that third line. If you lost Greenway, Hartman would probably be even better. Yeah. Uh, just slide Felino to the left wing, stick Hartman on the right mm-hmm. wing. There you go. Your third line's fine again. Uh, wouldn't have grief squad anymore. You have to find a, I don't know how we'd roll an H in there, but we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, that'll be, that'll be our job. Squad. Once we get new lines, we'll, we'll have to come up with new nicknames. Um, I was really happy to see that eventually did catch on. By the end of the year, I saw like even like some Instagram accounts were using it. Russo started using it. I was like, "Hey, we did that. We started that." So um, that was us. We were we we created the grief squad. So we call it the free line. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I echo a lot of what you guys said. Like, he's just Zeke. I think you put the best. He's a really good gritty bottom six guy. And I think that's where he should be moving forward. Um, obviously, miscast kind of because he had to be. Um, as kind of that second line center. But the reason that I moved him up to a B was because when he did get that elevation, um, we saw noted improvements, um, both Zuccarello and Kaprizov and all their play driving mm-hmm. numbers. I think there was a stretch there. I can't remember the exact timeline, but it was pretty much right down like kind of the last game of the season. Yeah, the Wild had some, um, you know, some easier teams and they played Anaheim twice. I think they beat up on San Jose and LA a few times. But 
Once Hartman got moved uh, to their center, that line basically, I think, controlled more than 55% of the expected goals basically mm-hmm. in almost every game. Um, they were controlling in pretty much every offensive category, and that wasn't happening with when Rask was there. And again, I think that just drills home the point. If you just get a slightly more offensive-minded center in there, that line's really going to take off, and we saw Hartman mm-hmm. help them out a lot. Um, I think just adding a little bit of speed and just a guy that can go to the net um, was a real help. And I think just, again, we we, do, we never thought of Hartman as a center. Um, and I don't think he was a bad center, but I don't think he was a good center either. But he proved he can play there if the Wilder in a pinch and, and did down the stretch. So, yeah, I think he was, you know, defensively, he's probably a little bit underrated as well. I think he brings good value defensively. And I think, uh, for me, Zeke, you mentioned it, but what really drove home, just bumping him up from like a B- minus to a B, he did take that hometown discount. Um, yep. for the wild and probably the wild have him at definitely a, a, a good value because i think evolving hockey i want to say they had him up closer to almost like three million or like yeah, two and a half it was like two eight something like yeah that. so to take almost a million dollars just to because he believes in the team was, was pretty cool so good guy good player good teammate ryan hartman gets a pretty much a consensus b uh, from us guys anything else to add on hartman before we move on to victor rask nope, nope. all right <laughs> victor rask is up next oh boy well, I went C minus. I went D. C minus as well. Zeke and I are like on. J- Justin, I don't know what happened. Usually it's you and I that are like the same. But tonight <laughs> it's Zeke and I that are the same. I think it's just cold. It's probably yeah, clouding it's, my it's thinking clouding a little bit a little or bit. something. It's ruining our, <laughs> our telepathy that we just seem to have. Yeah. <laughs> it's clouded a little bit. Yeah, but you said uh, D plus. D. D. Yeah, we're in the all right D. So, uh, Z. Is it Zeke? Uh, Z- is it? I don't even know. I think it might be you. Is it me? I get a shit on Rask first. So (laughs) as you know, I I did give Johansson an F and I did give Rask a C minus. So I think that tells you that I do have a little bit of respect for Victor Rask. And here's, and here's why we are. I don't think we need to hammer home. He's an offensive black hole. Uh, He's a damn good player, Brett. Uh, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> tell Seattle this. <laughs> I I believe we touched on. I I listed off how like Marcus Johansson was basically thirteenth in like every category, including the offensive ones. Well, Rask was pretty much twelfth in all those. Um, so he was the next guy up. But defensively, he was fine. Uh, fifth in expected goals against. Mm-hmm. Seventh in high danger chances against. Fourth in scoring chances against. Uh, second in Corsi against per sixty. And actually, was one of the few players in the wild that had a respectable. Uh, Corsi against number, uh, sixth in goals against per 60. He did score 10 goals. Uh, somehow was a plus five on the penalty differential. Um, did benefit from a PDO of a uh, 102.4. Um, was fourth in war, sixth in expected war. So, like, the the defense made up a little bit for the offense, but I think the, the, the thing that's so sour, I think, for Wild fans is just that, like, we just saw him whiff and just bring nothing to yeah. Zuccarello and Kaprizov. I think that's where just it's, it sours on us because we don't expect the Kaprizov-Zuccarello line to be good defensively, so we're not really watching what they're doing in the defensive zone. We want to know if they're, when they're going to score. So yeah. I think Victor Ras could be a good bottom 6-4. He's probably a guy that would be decent on your fourth line next year if you needed to play him there if you don't find a way to offload him this summer. Is he worth $4 million? No. No. Um, but I think he he's he's a good bottom six forward, probably a good fourth line center. Like someone would be would probably wouldn't mind having him on their fourth line. Um, but maybe they should call it Vancouver. They love these types of guys. But um, <laughs> so so for me, it was like as bad as he was offensively. As much as he drove us nuts in the offensive zone, he did help defensively for a team mm-hmm. that at times was struggling in that area. 
Yeah, no, I think there's the one a play I remember from one of their first games in Anaheim this year when it was Kaprizov behind the net who you know kind of fed it to Parisi up front and then they threw it across to Rask who had a half open net and we all thought, oh, did it hit the post or did it? Did Gibson get a piece of it? No, he just completely missed about two feet wide on a wide open net and like Brett said, I think that just kind of summed him up. Uh, he's just you know he's 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 not. He does have some smarts, you can tell, but he's just not very fast. He fumbles pucks, and like Justin has said a lot, he just literally just falls over like he runs into a wall on the ice half the time for no particular reason, which is very odd. And it's just you know it was hard to watch him on the on the top power play unit and on the top two lines a lot of times. Even though like like Brett said, he wasn't horrible. You know, obviously we don't want to crap on the guy too much, and you know I just think it was just a. Uh, I don't like like I said with those comments earlier, just when Bill Guerin going with the oh well, you know, Ron Francis, who I trust and respect, you know, gave him that contract, so there must be something there. I think that was the you know, I, I, I hope some of those comments were just, you know, just him talking about being a typical GM speak, but yeah, yeah no. The Mickey Mouse twenty goals he scored when Carolina was yeah. terrible. It's you know Kyle Brodziak <laughs> scored twenty goals once too. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's the only center they had. Yeah, so, yeah, no, he's so I mean, yeah, like I said, don't I am not gonna anymore on him but yeah no it's just uh he's not horrible but it's just very painstaking to watch him to, to continue to have to watch him get trotted out there in every key situation so yeah i think in a way the maybe my grade is a little unfair and and my reason behind it is he's kind of been put in a role that isn't him Mm-hmm. I think to go from the press box last year to being a first line center is a little much, and you know I, he went through that stretch of whatever twenty something games without a point with those guys and playing top line and on the power play one, and those just aren't roles he needs to be in. So maybe in a different role he's good. I mean he has good moments, like you said, he's good defensively, uh, but I just think. Maybe the D is maybe a little unfair because of the position he's been put in because he's not a first-line center, but yeah. had to be. Yeah. Well, didn't exactly. have to be, but yeah. was chosen to be. I'm, I'm just looking up because I'm curious. I don't I don't have the ranks for yeah. uh, ice time. So I'm trying to see. So total ice time. If we – even well, – that would be even strength. Do I have – yeah, here's what I want. Okay, he's kind of in the middle of the pack, I suppose. But the mm-hmm. only players that had more ice time than Rask were Benino, Fiala, Greenway, Eck, and Kaprizov. Yeah, it's... Uh, not, not, not ideal, but again. Victor yeah. Rask, you're terrible offensively. If you butcher in the fourth line, we probably don't hate you nearly as much as we do. So No, I agree. We're going to back off a Absolutely. little bit. Cause you, got, <laughs> you, you can back up a little bit of your value defensively. Um, but yeah, all right. Moving on. Uh, last forward... Uh, Zach Parisi. I went uh, D plus. I went with D. Man, you guys were harsh. I went with a C. Hmm. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I I'm struggled. Good. I struggled with Parisi. Okay. Yeah, it, I, I it went was... between like C minus and D. I'm like, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to put them on the same level as Rask, but I guess for who they're supposed to be, I, I don't know. It was it was tough. I mean, it was kind of like you guys too. I struggled. I think for me, it went to from, you know, maybe it had some fact ice time, you know, problems with the, maybe with, you know, his ice time and all that. But, you know, he did go from 25 goals, 12 on the power play. And even though he didn't get that time, he went from 25 goals, 46 points to seven and 45. So, you know, I guess for me, I just kind of had to have him down. But I mean, I 
looked at Brett's uh, uh, kind of his player analytic cards he did at the end of the year that I'm sure he'll bring up in a second. That you know, we're basically you're, I don't remember exactly what, but you're saying you know maybe he wasn't as bad overall, you know, as as maybe a lot of people thought. And I think you know he had his. I mean, obviously there were times where he did look old and slow and kind of like he was worn down, which I'm sure his body is the way he plays at this point. But there were times, especially when he was on that fourth line with uh, it was blue, it was Benino and Sturm, where you know where he was getting around you know 10, 11 minutes a night. Uh, ice time each game even though he was still on the fourth line that he was you know making an impact uh, and was pr- was producing at a decent rate and, and looked like the typical uh you know zach Prezi who we always know gives it his all and all his efforts so i don't know i guess maybe d plus is maybe a maybe a little unfair i don't know but i just think that with just the drop off in production and you know the lack of ice time whether or not it's his fault i think kind of warrants that but i do think uh, you know he doesn't necessarily need to be in the top six but i do think it was warranted to you know maybe give him more than like the seven or eight minutes a night he was getting a lot so yeah i mean uh, you touched on a lot of what i was going to say so i'm not going to really touch on that a whole lot but uh, i just maybe the part of the reason why i wrestled between d and c minus like i wanted to go up to c minus because you know he did do well in the playoffs i mean he yeah. wasn't part of the the lineup to begin with, but when he was thrown in, he looked like almost like the Zach Parisi of old in a way and, and played really well. And, and I was like, maybe he unfairly got pulled from the lineup at the end of the season. It, it's kind of a tricky situation in my head, but at times, like you said, he did look slow, but you mean he did miss time with COVID protocol. And then I don't know. It was just kind of a, a weird year from him in my eyes. Yeah, it was a really weird year, and, and that's the year I really struggled, and I think you guys have hit on a lot of the points. But what I tried to do is I tried to take all of, as I think as he dubbed it, a sideshow stuff out of out of <laughs> the picture and just look at when Prezi played, how did he do? And yeah, the, the goals and assists and stuff were down, but like, as he said, he was taken off the power play. Like, a lot of, like, you know, the raw numbers look poor because he wasn't given those opportunities by the coaches and I think it was a bit unfair. I mean, you look at even strength, uh, second in scoring chances per 60, second high danger chances, fifth in expected goals, uh, first on the team in individual high danger chances per 60, he had a plus eight penalty differential, benefited a bit from uh, some good on-ice goaltending for kind of some subpar defensive metrics. But like when I look at it, like him and Matt Zuccarello, aside from Zuccarello's assists, um, dishing to Kaprizov, aren't that much different from one another. Um, and I just think there was a lot more, I think, to the Parisi saga that we just don't know. We don't know what was happening in the locker room and stuff like that. So for me, it, it was hard just to kind of like, I don't know who to kind of throw under the bus here, per yeah. se. Um, so I, I tried to take the coaching and all that stuff out of it. I thought when he was on the ice, and maybe it's just a little bit of recency bias because he did look very good in the playoffs, but I just thought when he was on the ice, he still brought offense, which is what he's always been. He's never been thought of as a defensive guy so I, I thought he was treated a little unfairly this year um and I thought when you know he, he did his job I thought when he was out there especially kind of the second half of the season but okay. definitely will be continue to be a really interesting uh piece uh to watch going to the end of the seat uh to the off season here um I know Russo even threw out something you know if the wild make a side deal is it you know hey take Zach Parisi to buy him out and we'll give you you know Brennan Manel in a second or something or I I don't remember what the exact proposal was, but I mean, there's so many things on the table for mm. what they want to do. It sounds like they'd want to keep him, but I, I just have. If if I were Zach Parisi, I don't think if there was a way to get me a new opportunity, I think I would want it. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Good. 
All right, so that will wrap up the forwards. We're about a good episode length here, so I think we'll uh, we'll pause here, take a quick break, split this into two parts. We'll talk about defensemen, goalies, coach, GM uh, after this. So, guys, just real quick here, uh, just a quick sign-off. Uh, where can everyone uh, find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at ZBWildNation underscore HW, and you can find my written work at HockeyWilderness.com. You can find me at DH2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the podcast as well, both Twitter and Instagram at Sound the Foghorn. All one word. Part two should be up if you want to dive right into that right away here. Otherwise, uh, feel free to give a listen tomorrow or whenever uh, as we break down the defensemen, the goaltenders, coach, and the GM. Uh, But until next week, this has been another episode of Sound